Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Great to have everybody here today. Um, let, me, let me say this real quick here as we kind of continue with this series. This idea of legacy goes so far beyond one type of pledge and campaign and thing like this. This is, although this legacy series is so seasonal and so situational, I want you to know that this should be a life message. This should be something that you're thinking about two and three and five and ten and twenty years from now. You should always have legacy on your mind. The Bible says that a righteous person leaves an inheritance to his children's children. There is a biblical precedent and principle that says you should always be thinking about leaving a legacy to future generations. Now, again, most of us, we think about our kids a lot of times because sometimes we think that's generations to come. But the other way that we do that is even inside of our church. And we've even talked about this, that like the Bible really speaks of legacy, not just in generations to come, but even in eternity. That there's something about us that as we are legacy-minded, really what that means is that we are eternity-minded. I mean, we don't even just think about the here and now. We're thinking about the future and the eternal future. And that's why in week two, um, I'd encourage you to go pick up the, the, the disc or the CDs. Go watch it on YouTube or online, nbchurch.tv, however you do that. But like, go watch it. I think week two is maybe the most pivotal sermon a person could ever hear. Because getting beyond this life into the next life is the most important thing. And without that, there is, there is no legacy. Last week, we talked about like how there's an element of faith and legacy that literally like, you know, all the doubts that creep in keep us from experiencing legacy moments. And God's trying to like stir up our faith, help us to dream big and then just kind of go for it. But this week we'll talk about something that I think is unavoidable. And so again, if you're a first timer and you're the type of first timer that's like, I don't know about church, all they want is your money. And then we've already talked about this legacy campaign so much. I just want you to know you, you need to come back in weeks to come as we're not in the middle of this very unique and specific season of life. But I want you to know this, that there's definitely something in it. And there is a direct link between legacy and your stuff. Let me say that again. There is a direct link between legacy and your stuff. When I say your stuff, I mean your possessions, your resources, your money, whatever stuff is to you, whatever it is that you have, there is a direct link and it's unavoidable. And here's what you need to know. Like there's, there's this thing throughout scripture when you look at it, when you have all the different Bible verses, how many know there's important things in the Bible that they teach repeatedly? Because you got to repeat stuff to really let it sink in. You know, there's 500 Bible verses on prayer. That's a big deal, right? Like connecting to God, talking to God, having God speak to you. That's a big There's 500 Bible verses on prayer. How many know there's 500 Bible verses on faith? You would say like faith is what we're doing, right? We're, we're, that, that's got to be like the biggest thing, right, Todd? Faith. There's 500 Bible verses on faith. But believe it or not, there's 2,000 scriptures that deal with your stuff, your money, or your possessions. Now that seems kind of crazy. But here's why Jesus said it was so important. We're going to look at this today is, is he said, there's just a direct link between your heart and money. And there's a direct link between your legacy and your money. And you really can't separate them. And so I just want to put you at ease though. That this is not, this is not a money grab. You can put your wallet away. This is, this isn't me trying to like, there's no bait and switch. I'm not trying to get anything more out of you. As a matter of fact, there was this one little boy that got together with his two buddies. And when little boys get together, they try to one up each other about how cool their stuff is or how cool their dad is. And there's one kid and he said, hey, my dad can scribble a bunch of stuff on a piece of paper, call it a poem, and somebody will give him 50 bucks for it. Another kid's like, that's nothing. My dad 
can scribble a bunch of stuff on a piece of paper called a song. They'll give him a hundred bucks for it. The other kid was like, I got you guys all smoked. My dad can scribble a bunch of stuff on a piece of paper, call it a sermon. It takes eight people to pick up all the money after he's done. <laughs> so that's church, by the way. That's, that's church. If you didn't get that, that's church. So I want you to know, like, there's no other offering. This isn't, this isn't a money grab. This is just me. And the reason why I say that is to put your heart at ease, put your wallet away, because I just want you for the next few moments to just be open-minded and don't take me at my word. Just take the Bible at its word. Take God at its word and let these Bible verses, let these scriptures, let these truths and, and, and this, these principles of wisdom, let them just kind of soak in your mind and see if just maybe that God has a plan for you on this earth and it is directly connected to how you think about and how you treat your stuff. Everybody say, all right. Check this Bible verse out. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking and he says this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. Everybody say earth. What you're going to see is that God is fine with treasure. God is fine with storing. God is concerned about location a little bit here. He said, don't store up your treasures here on earth because there's moths, there's rust, and there's bad people that steal stuff, apparently. That's what's, that's what's here on earth. But what I want you to do is I want you to be treasure-minded. I want you to be saving and planning-minded. I want you to store up your treasure or your stuff. That's what I was calling stuff earlier. Store up your treasure where? In heaven. So God was not having a problem with stuff. He was thinking about, like, you need to be challenged in terms of your location. Because in heaven, there's no moss, there's no rust, and thieves do not break in and steal. And so here's the point that Jesus is trying to make. The reason why... God wants you to be legacy-minded is because heaven, not earth, is your home. But it's so hard. I mean, like, we're just, uh, you, you never lived in heaven and then vacationed to earth and then got to go back to heaven. You didn't get that luxury, did you? You started in the mind of God, came to earth, and then were told about a place called heaven, which requires you to live by faith. And so it's not like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go back. Because if we had already been there, and then we just had this little window here, and then we knew we were going to go back, we wouldn't care too much about what we had going on here. We just know I, I, this is just like a vacation drop-off. I shouldn't, you know, how many of you have ever done that? Ever been like on a vacation for a week? And then like, this is the problem. And, and ladies, it's, it's mostly you. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> you already pack too much in a suitcase anyway. You already pack too many suitcases and then put too much stuff in it. And then we get on vacation and you're like, ooh, that's pretty. Ooh, I want that. Ooh, I'm going to take that home. And yeah, amen out there. All that's nervous laughter. And, 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 and just so you know, I, I don't mind. But what you do is, is you buy so much stuff that you... And we've done this before. We have been on vacation and had to buy luggage while on vacation just to make room for the new stuff. And many times that's the way... We live on this earth. We've come to this earth, which is temporary, and we're loading up so much stuff on this earth. But here's the problem. You can't take it back with you. When you take that plane ride home, there is no luggage compartment. You're going solo. You came into this world naked. You're going out naked. And you don't get to keep nothing with you from this little journey and this little vacation. He's like, be mindful. Heaven is your home. Not earth. This is temporary. You're here for just a small window of time. Check this verse out. Philippians chapter 3 verse 18. 
Paul's addressing a group of people, and he said, many people live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Then he, it's almost harsh. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on what? Earthly things. He goes, the, 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 the issue is, the reason why they made poor decisions, the reason why they got caught up, the reason why they fell into all kinds of traps that led to negative outcomes in their life is because they were purely thinking about the here and now and they had set their mind and their thoughts and their attention and their affection on earthly things. But, everybody say but, but our citizenship is in, yeah. He's like, hey, I just want you to know, like, you've got papers. You are a citizen. You could be here legally or illegally in America. That's not, what wasn't his concern. It was that you had papers somewhere else. You had a citizenship somewhere else and you got so focused on the vacation time and on the, the here and the now and the moment. As a matter of fact, let me, let me give you this to illustrate real quick here. Um, I don't remember who came up with this, but it's a really, really good way of, of kind of looking at it. Everybody say, the line is longer than the dot. Everybody say it again. The line is longer than the dot. So show, give, me, give me a dot. This is it. This is earth. This is where we're at right now. Nothing. We're in the mind of God over here. We exist here right now. You see with this? Now, I don't know. Like, I'm so glad. I passed geometry with like a 69.5. It was bad. I was not a good student for geometry. And so, but this is, a, this is a ray. Anybody remember this stuff? You know what this means? It, now, if there was another dot over here, what it would mean is, is that you start, you go, and then you stop. But in, in a ray, it just keeps going, but you can't draw off the paper, so you just got to draw. This is, this is what life is actually like. This is earth. This is eternity. And here's the problem. He goes, sometimes the reason why people make so many mistakes or, or get caught up into weird sin or dumb things or foolish behavior or the reason why they just start storing up so much stuff. Some people, I promise you, I don't, I don't know if you know this or not. Some people not only have a home for all of their stuff, but then they have a home for their car. But then they make their car homeless because they fill up that home with stuff. You people don't do that. I'm talking about other people. I wanted you to know what the rest of the world lives like in America. They have a home, and then they have a home for their car, but their car is homeless because they have so much stuff that goes into the car home. And then what they do is they go down the street two or three miles, and they find another place that sells little mini homes for the rest of their stuff that they only want to see. It's like bad relatives. You only want to see them once, maybe twice a year. And that's where they put that other stuff because they just keep accumulating stuff. Some people have like collector edition things. They, have, they just keep storing up and keeping and they get excited about it. And they get so stoked about like, oh, did you see that? And they, I'm, I'm just telling you, they just live a life where they live in the dot. And all of their life is in the dot. And Jesus and the Apostle Paul and all these Bible guys are like, hey, be careful. The way you get caught up into foolishness or the way that you miss the point of all of life is you get so caught up in the dot and you live in the dot and you think everything's about the dot and you try to cram everything into the dot but here's what you didn't know where do you live longer in the dot or in the line it's in the line but what we've done is is we live the life where we keep storing stuff and putting into the dot and here's the problem whatever's in the dot doesn't actually get to the line unless it's connected to eternity. 
Do you see this real quick? I mean, I'm just, I'm just watch this real quick here. The, the, the line is longer than the dot. Let me show you how Jesus illustrated this. Because Jesus, the, the, the New Testament writers typically didn't tell stories. They were kind of teaching things. But Jesus would talk to a group of people. And he had, let, me, let me tell you a story. These are what we call parables. This is how Jesus illustrated it in a story. Luke chapter 12, the Bible says that Jesus is hanging out with some people. And someone from this crowd of people says to him, Teacher... Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, I'm just going to give you like a little like, uh, this is a life nugget. This is free. This isn't even in my notes. When there is inheritance on the line, people get weird. When, inher- when, when all of a sudden grandma dies, dad dies, somebody dies, and inheritance is on the line, I'm telling you, you will see greed Come out with a vengeance. You will see people flip. Families go nuts. All I'm going to tell you is this, is whenever inheritance is on the line, guard your heart. Be so aware that greed will want to manipulate, motivate you. And that's what's really going on here. Because somebody flipped out when dad died, right? And the older brother, who must have been the executor of the will, changed some things or did whatever. And he, he basically wedged out little bro so little bro didn't get jack. Isn't that what's going on here? So the little bro comes to Jesus because that's what you do when you're a little brother. You tattletale. And who's no better person in the world to tell? You tell Jesus. I'm going to tell Jesus on you. And so, so you, Jesus, you tell him. He'll split hell wide open if he doesn't give me that money anyway. And Jesus' response is so funny. He said, uh, man, man, Psh, man, um, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Basically, Jesus is like saying, that's family mess. I don't even want nothing to do with that, y'all. I'm going to go bless the little children again, you know, that kind of thing. And, and buddy, what he's aware of, he's aware of the dynamic that happens in people's hearts. And so he says something that is so profound. This is what I was trying to get to a second ago. He says to them, watch out. Like inheritance is on the line. Money's on the line. People are in a money grab. They're all upset and uptight. And everything's getting funky. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Meaning there must be multiple categories going on here. And then this profound statement, he says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You could write that down on a three by five card and just dwell on that for the next six months. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. Let that rattle around. Let that change who you are. Let that change the way you think about life and eternity and your stuff. And I'm just telling you, it'll change everything. And he hadn't even started telling a story yet. So to illustrate this idea that life does not consist of abundance of possession, he goes, so let me tell you a story. So he says to them in this parable, check this out, this is my story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And the rich man thought to himself, what am I going to do? I don't have any place to store my crops. And then he said, hmm, this is what I'm going to do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger barns, and that is where I will store up my surplus grain. And then I'll say to myself, he talks to himself a lot, doesn't he? So if you talk to yourself a lot, you're not that strange. Everybody does it. They just don't tell you that they do it. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be 
Mary. Doesn't this sound? Now, just so you know, if I, was, if I wasn't a pastor and I wasn't reading from the Bible, y'all would think, like, if we, I just talking to a regular group of people, you'd be like, yeah, sign me up for the seminar. Because we have seminars on how to get this accomplished, don't we? Like, this is an American dream success story. Wait a minute. He was a rich guy. This is what you even need to catch wind of. He was already rich. He was a rich guy who had a bumper crop. He had this abundant harvest come in. So he must have been in some type of agricultural. He must have owned land and crops and all this stuff. And so he's already rich. And then he got richer. And he was so rich that he asked himself, what am I going to do? I didn't got got room for all this leftover crop. This is my brilliant idea. Because here's what you need to know. He asked a brilliant question. He just came to a poor conclusion. He asked the question, what do I do? That's a, that's a good question to ask. He just came to a wrong conclusion. Because what he said was, is, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my old barns so that I can build some bigger barns. And then I'm going to just kick back after that. I mean, I can retire off of this. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to get happy up in here. That's what. And everybody, the American dream, he just, he just did. This is a success story. But we know it's, I'm a preacher and this is the Bible. So some, there's got to be a, the other shoe's about to drop. Verse 20, but God. But God said to him, you fool, which isn't nice. But apparently he's trying to get your attention. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then, then God asked him a question. Then who's going to get what you prepared for yourself? Answer, somebody's going to argue over it. In a court of law, because they argue about inheritance. That's, that's the point of the story. He goes, this is how it will be with whoever stores up for themselves, but is not rich toward God. What, now, I'm just telling you, this story is brilliant. This story has got so much good stuff laced into it. Because, again, it's a story about a rich man who got richer. But then here's some of the mistakes and the flaws and the, and the problem with what the guy had going on in his head. Here's what you need to know. Is that the guy was already successful. He was already rich and he was a planner. And I want you to know that God's all about planning. The Bible says that the plans of the diligent make rich. So is God pro-planning? Sure. And so the guy clearly had some ability to gain wealth. He was a planner. And then when he got more, he didn't just go to Vegas and go buck wild. He planned again. It's that's like, these are all good things. The problem was though, is that he planned for the future, but he did not plan for eternity. Do you see the difference? Like, he only thought of the dot, never considered the line. So it wasn't that he didn't, it was that his planning was too short-sighted. He was too close to the dot, nothing in the line. Here's another mistake that he made. He made the mistake that somehow he was the source of his own success. Because here's here's what you know about agriculture. My, My grandfather was a farmer. When you are successful at agricultural, it is not always just about you. Because there's so many elements in farming that you can't control. Like you can't control the wind. You can't control the sun. You can't control the rain. You can't control the soil. So like all these other things are completely dependent upon outside sources and the way God has held the universe together. And so like, but he just thought, hey, look what I did. Look what I accomplished. This is again a flaw and a mistake in life to think that you somehow got where you're at today purely on your own merit. You didn't. There are so many factors that you could not have controlled that led to you getting to where you're at in life. And that was one of the mistakes that he had made. Here's the other one. He just assumed it was his stuff. 
This is a huge mistake. He just Because if you read the story again, he keeps saying, my. Well, I'll tear down my barn, so I'll build bigger barns. What am I going to do with my abundance, my big crops? I know what I'll do. I'll sit back. Everything was my, my, my. So this guy is just making all kinds of mistakes. And again, it wasn't that he asked the wrong question, because in the story, he asked the question, what, what will I do? And that's a good question. The problem is, is that he should have asked God, what do I do? And that's the difference. You don't sit there and say, well, what am I going to do with my stuff that I got on my own merit and it's all mine? You would ask yourself a different question. God, what would you have me do? And that was where he kind of lost sight of some stuff. And then Jesus lands on this ultimate brilliant point. He says, how are you going to be rich towards God? He goes, this is because God, I don't know why I said God killed him, but God took his life. Right? At the end of the story, God took his life, and he's like, you, you were foolish. Because you were so thinking about the dot. Never thought about the line. That's all that your mind was focused on. That's what, you know what the real tragedy of the story is? The tragedy of the story is not even that he died. Right? I just want you to know this. Like, we're all dying. You and I, it's a, it's a mathematical fact. Every one out of one person dies, we're all going to die. So the fact that he died is not tragic. That's normal, Right? The Bible doesn't even say how old he was. I mean, he could have been 100 years old. I don't know how old he was, but the tragedy is not that he died. You know what the real tragedy of the story is? Get your mind fixed on this real quick here. The real tragedy of the story is, is that he experienced total loss. Because he didn't get to enjoy it in the dot because he died. And he didn't put anything on the line. And so he doesn't get to enjoy any of it there. This guy got nothing. Now here's in life, this is what I know to be true. There's a lot of people that have a lot in the dot, and they're happy in the dot. And I know other people that, that they don't have a lot in the dot, but they're so eternally minded, they're so legacy minded, they're going to so outweigh you in the line. There's some people that you didn't think much of up, because it, it, when, when you're rich, sometimes you have the ability to be arrogant and overlook people. And you can get to heaven one day, and I hope they don't overlook you, you know what I'm saying? But there's some people that have stored up so much on the line and there are other people that stored up so much on the dot. And the people that lived all their life in the dot and stored up everything on the dot, they're going to be some sad and disappointed people. Because the line is longer than the dot. This guy didn't get to experience in the dot or on the line. Total loss. And then Jesus is putting this thing on display. He goes, this is what it's like for people who are so earthly minded and they were never rich toward God. So then he, he basically draws a parallel, doesn't he? He talks about living in the dot and living earthly minded. He goes, but there's a different way of living and he calls it being rich toward God. I'm going to give you a few things and we'll wrap this up. I'm going to give you a few things I want you to do that I think about when I think about how do I become rich toward God. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, is this number one is this. If I want to be rich towards God, I need to give my whole life to God. Like you need to be so aware that like your life does not have compartments. That God doesn't look at your life like that and say, well, the, you know, Will was pretty good on Sunday. He was pretty, pretty lame on Friday nights. He was, he was generous when he was with them church folk, but then when he was with his... I mean, like God doesn't look at like, well, in his work life, he was unethical, but with his, with his marriage, he did pretty good. He did, God just doesn't look at all the compartments of life. And so I want to encourage you, like, give your whole life to God. Don't compartmentalize and say, well, God, you got my spiritual life. There is no such thing as a spiritual life. There's just life. Like you are a spirit, you have a life, it's all connected. There are no compartments. And many times in life what we do is to say, well, I, I believe in God. 
well, I'm kind of spiritual, but then we pick and choose moral decisions based on how we feel in the moment. Or, or there are some of us who are like, well, I'll go to church on Sunday morning, but I don't give. And we have all the reasons why, and we justify. I'm just telling you, like, I want you to give God every, I want, to give, I want you to give God your parenting, your marriage, your finances, your work life, your career, your dating. I want you to give God every single category of life. That's how you're really rich toward That's the starting point, at least. As a matter of fact, there's this interesting story I read. It's, it's this historical account of Ivan the Terrible, who was the czar of Russia back in the 1500s. And he had a bunch of wives. And one of the wives that he had was um, basically the daughter of the king of Greece. And in this story, he travels, and this is something they would do to like make peace with other nations. You just marry, you just marry somebody in the royal family, and that's how you would make peace in ancient times. And so he was making a pact with Greece, and he was like, I'm going to marry the, the daughter of the king of Greece so that we can make this pact. And so, but when he goes and travels to Greece to marry the girl, he basically brings like a, 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 his, his personal army with him. And, and again, because he was the czar of Russia, and because Greece was still Greek Orthodox, and they were a part of the church, and the king of Greece basically said, hey, look, you can marry, but you have to marry her in the church. And they had this really strict rule that said to be in the church, you had to be baptized in the church. And so they told Ivan the Terrible, like, hey, you got to get baptized. <laughs> and he was like, okay, I, you know, I'll do it. Yeah, I'm down. And so he goes and gets baptized. Well, all of his army decides to get baptized with him, but they were all like these mercenary killers and soldiers. And so they, they said, hey, boss, can we come get baptized with you? And they, they basically, the priest said, no, because you're all mercenaries. You can't, you can't get baptized. And because if you get baptized, you have to completely give up this life of killing and mercenary and all, all this stuff. And so this was their brilliant idea that literally, and I can't remember how many it was, I think it was like 100 soldiers went out into the water that day because they were in a big sea. And they went into the water and they all took their swords out of their sheath, held them up in the air, and then they got baptized with their arm out of the water. They're like, that's my loophole. I, I, know, I know what I'll do. I'll give God this part, but I'm not giving God that. And, and that's what we do sometimes. We have things in life that we will so desperately hold on to. Like some of us are so funny about our money and our finances, and you're so skeptical about church and kingdom, whatever. Everything's a, 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 a con to you or something. You're like, no, no, I'm, not, I'm never giving that up. I'm never going to do that. And so you just, you take your wallet, you take your dating relationships. You, some of you are so afraid if, if you dated God's way that you, you're going to die alone, and I'm so afraid, so I'm go, willing to go and date whomever, whenever, however. And so you just, I'm just holding out. I'm holding on, and I'm telling you, you want to be rich towards God, it starts with you giving God your whole life. Number two is this. Number two is, is that you have to act like a steward and not an owner. This is so huge. This is the big shift that you make as a Christ follower. If you're not a Christ follower, I totally get this. It, it totally makes sense. Like your stuff is yours. You earned it. You worked for it. It's just, it's just yours. When you become a Christ follower, there's a shift that takes place in your mind. You have a different worldview even. And what you realize is this. Actually, none of it's mine. Watch this. The Bible says in Psalms 24.1 that the earth is the Lord's and every, everybody say everything. Everything. Everything in it. The, the whole world. It's all God's. And this is the shift that you make. You realize that like God was here before he created the earth. God will be here long after. God is in control of all things. My life is in his hands. The Bible says that the, the span of the universe sits in the palm of his hands. It's all God's. It is ridiculous for us to think that anything is really 
ours. And we get so funny about it. We're like, no, that's mine. Well, be careful. It's, it's, you just got it on loan is what you really got. Because remember, you live in the dot. You, you came in naked. You're leaving naked. So do you really get to keep anything? No. It's all on loan. Or it's all been put underneath your stewardship or underneath your management. Because here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches this radical idea that God gives you all these things and then watches to see how well you will manage it. And that ultimately how well you manage it becomes the indicator of how much reward and responsibility he can give you in the life to come. To which if we looked at our bank account or our debt levels or how we manage money, some of us are like, wow, I don't think I'm going to get a lot in heaven now. Like, because do you know what's on my visa bill right now? So my point is, is like we need to be really careful that we're not the owners of anything. We're just simply the managers for a temporary amount of time. And at the end of this life, we are giving an account of what we did in that time period because everything is his. And we're just managing it for a short window of time. Number three is this. We need to view everything through the lens of eternity. Everything. I'm telling you, it would radically change your life. If every conversation, every interaction, every person, every financial decision, how you treated other people, how you lived life, if all of it was kind of pushed through this lens or filter, what about eternity? What about the line? Not just living in the dot. It would just so radically change everything. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's this account. It's what they call the hall of faith. It basically is a list of some of the greatest men and women of all the Bible and all of what they did and accomplished through faith in God. And it's just this incredible account. But here's the problem that you might run into. If you only read the first part of the chapter, you think it's just a big success story. Like it's a big rah-rah, look at what all we did. Keep reading. Because by the time you get to the end of the chapter, it's basically all the people who had incredible faith, but they were died, they had their heads cut off, they failed miserably, you know, they go through the, and you're like, ooh, wait a minute. I don't know that, I want, I want to be a part of the first team. I don't want to be, I don't want to be on the, the, the second team. I don't want to be at the end of the chapter. And the reason, why, now listen to what it says here. In Hebrews chapter 11, near the end of the chapter, the writer of Hebrews explains why some people accomplished great things by faith. Other people by faith completely trusted God, and it didn't turn out the way that you thought it would go, but watch the difference here. Listen to this. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. These people of faith that just stepped out to do incredible things, some of them stepped out, obeyed God, and died for it. Others stepped out, obeyed God, and it was an incredible success story. But either way, they lived in such a way that it proved and showed that they were looking ahead to their true home. They were after a far better country than that, a heaven country. And you can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. I just want you to see that, like, I don't know how everything's going to turn out, but here's what I know, is that when you live through this kind of lens of eternity, when you are a legacy-minded person, it just kind of proves to you, you know what, my hope, my trust is in Heavenly Father. I realize my citizenship, my future. I realize that the line is longer than the dot, and I'm okay with that, and I'm willing to do whatever it is, God, that you've called me to do. Lastly is this, number four, I want you to be intentional. If you want to be rich towards God, Stop compartmentalizing. You've got to give him everything. Realize that you're a, a manager. You don't actually own anything. Always think eternally minded. And in light of that, be 
intentional. And here's, here's why I say that. It's hard to be rich towards God accidentally. It's hard to get to the end of life and be like, you know what, I totally just stumbled into that. I didn't even know I was going to... I don't think there's a lot of people that are going to get to heaven and find incredible reward and responsibility and be like, wow, I had no idea. That's so cool. I had no idea I was being rich toward God. I'm telling you, it's not on accident. It's by faith. And it's by what I would call a predecision. It's something that you thought about consciously. And you said, you know what? I don't want to live in the dot. I mean, I'm, I want to take care of myself in the dot. I don't want to be foolish in the dot, but I want to live eternally minded. I don't want to live for the line. And so that, that probably isn't going to happen by accident. It's going to happen when you're intentional. Meaning like you make a thought in advance. You make a predecision beforehand. You say, you know, how am I going to spend my time? Mm, forget that. How am I going to invest my time? How am I going to spend my money? Mm, how am I going to invest my money? Because my money's going into all these things. And apparently God's watching. It kind of proves to him what my mindset really is. Whether I have a dot mentality or I have a line mentality. And so God's saying, I want you to be intentional. Watch this. This is, this is from 2 Corinthians 9, 7. I pulled the message because it says it quirky. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. This was them talking about giving and generosity. He goes, I want you to make up your own mind what you will give. And that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. Don't you love that? Like, I didn't get up here and show you a picture of a kid and crying and please for the children. I didn't do that to you. I'm not trying to make you cry. I'm not trying to twist your arm and tell you that all of a sudden, if you don't, if you don't do this. Listen to me. I, listen, this, this whole legacy thing, I, I don't want you to give and be generous and be legacy minded be, because it's going to somehow like secure your eternal destination. Jesus does that. This is not about your eternal destination. This is about your eternal reward. He goes, that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting because God loves it when the giver delights in giving. The other way that the Bible puts it, like if you read the NIV or something like that, it just says this, is that people have purposed in their heart or planned in their heart what they're going to give. Meaning we don't give inspirationally. We give with a plan. We give with an intentional predecision. And that's what we're really doing during this legacy campaign. We're saying, God, how can I budget? How can I account for? How can I look at my finances? What can I do above and beyond my normal? What would you have me do? And how can I plan to give? And all of our giving should be that way. This is why the Bible doesn't teach random giving. It teaches intentional giving, or we call percentage giving even. I mean, you make a predecision that says, I'm going to carve out the first 10% of my income. And before I do anything else, God, that's yours. And that's, how I, that's what the Bible teaches. And it's all about this idea of being intentional. And then you're intentional with your time. You're intentional with how you do things, how you manage your life, how you make decisions. It's not random. It's intentional. And here's why. Last thought is this. It's because I will never miss what I invest in eternity. You'll never miss it. I promise you. You'll live in the line way longer then you live in the dot. Whatever you do now to set up your eternal legacy, you'll never lose it. I want you to think about that. Whatever you set up in the dot, you're going to lose it. It's inevitable. Can we all agree to that? You came into this world with nothing, you leave with nothing. Whatever you invest in this world, you will lose. Whatever you invest in eternity, you can never lose. I want you to be that type of, of person, not just in the moment for our church and what we're doing. I, I want you to live a whole life like this. If you move and go to a different state, if you leave this church because you're just tired of me and you want to go to another church, I, I still want you to live this way. I want you to live in the line. 
I want you to invest in eternal things because the lie is longer than the dot. Let's pray this morning. Father, help us to be legacy-minded, eternally-minded. God, it is so easy to get caught up in the things of this world, the, the, the stresses and the fears and the anxiety, or sometimes just the stuff. And get so caught up in the here and the now, God. Help us to be so legacy-minded. Help us to endure. Help us to plan. Help us to be intentional. Help us to be generous knowing, God, that we're planning for our future home. We're not planning for the dot, God. We're planning for the line. We're planning for eternity, God. Help us to be so legacy-minded in all of our actions and all of our decisions, Lord. That is my prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.